let's have a look at this from several angles. You know, let's bring your curiosity to what the other person might have been feeling or experiencing. Just ask. Like, just yeah. just start a conversation. Be open. If you want to have really great sex, you need to be able to communicate. It's not about guesswork. It just isn't. And the better you get at communicating, the better we all get at communicating about this stuff, there's going to be an exponential increase in pleasure and good times had. Come on. How are we, Tanya? I'm really well, thanks, Maya, and all fired up this morning for our topic. Bye bye. Oh, aren't, aren't we both? Yep. Aren't yep. we both really? Now, um, we want to preface right now that we're going to be talking about consent. I mentioned earlier it's always good to have a bit of a rehash on consent, but then I thought, actually, why do we have to keep talking about this? This is so frustrating. It's such a simple thing, and. If you have any questions or any grey areas you want any advice from, um, from Tanya right here, who is our resident sexologist, uh, pleasure expert, therapist, all round excellent advice giver is what I call her. <laughs> um, drop us a line on 0409-945-945. We will walk through everything with you. Um, and more than anything, we kind of want to give a bit of a trigger warning before we go any further because there is a reason that we've decided to talk about consent today and that reason being that for the last two weeks there's been a huge sexual assault allegation that's rocked Canberra um, that allegedly took place in 2019 in Parliament House. A former female staff member um, in the office of then Defence Industry Minister Linda Reynolds um, has alleged she was assaulted by another staffer in the minister's offices which is quite big news in itself. I've been following the story um, for a while and watched this staff member's pretty distressing interview about everything that has happened. And in the time since, um, there have been further allegations made by other women about the same staffer saying that they assaulted them as well. Apparently, there's also a letter which has been passed to the AFP alleging a historic sexual assault by a current cabinet minister... And I'm sure that you've been taking part and following this news as well. It is quite probably the biggest thing that's happened in Canberra um, in quite some time, if not ever. And there's a big theme or, or big thing that kind of is the undercurrent of this all, and that is consent. I was pretty shocked when I heard about this news that it could have an, happen even in a place like Parliament House, which is just something you can't really reckon with, I don't think. Um, and Tanya, I want to ask you, how do you think the way that this topic has been handled in the wake of uh, the so-called Australia Day uh, Young Australian of the Year award mm -hmm. being given to a woman who has been so um, outspoken about being being able to treat victims with dignity and everything to do with treating sexual assault in the correct way through all the official procedures. How do you think um, this recent news exposes the way we deal with the topic of assault uh, and abuse allegations? Graham, this is a really big question. First of all, you mentioned we're doing a trigger warning. I just want to invite folks who might find this a bit distressing to maybe tune out or turn the volume down for the next 20 minutes or so yes. because we're going to be talking about things that are distressing and and being very curious about why they remain distressing. 
Um, I think, Maya, that this exposes just how badly we handle sexual assault in our society. We victim blame and we shame. And my very first counselling role when I was a baby counsellor was for a sexual assault crisis line. And I just remember being utterly astounded that how many girls had been assaulted by friends, families, co-workers, their bosses... Uh, and they had the police question their story and doubted their story, doubted their evidence. Um, there was such a large concern that there'd be a false claim, one. Um, and I know that the Victorian police brought out some research in the early 2000s that said only 3.1% of uh, sexual assault claims turned out to be false. More recent research puts that at 5%. But that's very low, very, very low. So I think... The best thing that you can do if somebody discloses sexual assault to you is to believe them and to place the blame entirely on the perpetrator. There are no excuses. It doesn't matter if the person assaulted was drunk, inebriated, wearing provocative clothes or even kissing the perpetrator. If they didn't consent, then it's sexual assault. I cannot be more clear on this. right? And I think people are like, well, there are grey waters. I'm like, there are not grey waters and we're going to talk a little bit about this because I do think when you think you have consent and then it's withdrawn and, and sort of areas like that, they're tricky to navigate because social times are changing. Mm. We are now sort of saying, no, no, sex is not something that you just get or take. And it's not, you know, consent isn't just, yes, proceed. It's It needs to be enthusiastic and ongoing and, and we'll get to this. I actually think there isn't really a grey area here. Anything you think might be a grey area is a no. But also, <laughs> just ask. Like, just yeah. just start a conversation. Be open. Um, it might like be a mood killer for a moment, but it's one moment versus an overwhelmingly terrible experience. Like, yeah, and do you know what? If it's a mood killer, then you're worried that you're not going to get what you want. Exactly. And that shouldn't be a mood killer. It should just be like, okay, uh, not that, then this. You know, there's a list in my head of fun things, or checking in with your partner. Or whatever, whatever you're not getting consent for, like, okay, what would work for you? Mm. Right? We need to manage disappointment. It's part of life. But also, I think, yeah, framing it in that, um, even retrospectively just now from five seconds ago, framing <laughs> it as a mood killer is wrong. It's problematic. It's it's not. You're, you're doing the right thing. You're yeah. talking. It's fine. It's fine. And, you know, if you want to have really great sex, you need to be able to communicate. It's not about guesswork. It just isn't. And the better you get at communicating, the better we all get at communicating about this stuff, the, there's going to be an exponential increase in pleasure and good times had. Fun good times without regret, without remorse, without assault and without terrible things happening. Absolutely. Um, now, we can't talk about or talk to or speak to uh, these women, the experience of these women by this alleged staff member, but more than anything, I think, Tanya, you and I are in agreement of how shambolic the response of the Prime Minister was in the wake of this news. It's pretty disappointing. I'm I'm not surprised, unfortunately, but I, my jaw kind of dropped at how poorly it was received. And what I mean is that in response to this real person's traumatic experience at her workplace, um, the lack of support that she received and the Prime Minister's response with framing 
trying to understand by framing it from the perspective of his daughters versus a human being is just uh, there's no words for it really <laughs> there's no words for it um what do you think Tanya yeah oh my goddess is all I can say about that I cannot actually believe that the prime minister of our country a had to consult his wife about matters of sexual assault and poor conduct in the workplace and B, could only understand it if it was related back to his daughters. It's kind of like women being the possession of men. Yeah. It's absolutely outrageous. And it, it speaks to me that that is no leader for women at all because you don't understand what is happening to us. Um, but it also explains why there are so few convictions, why sexual assault victims are re-traumatised by police, family, friends, and particularly the justice system. Because people don't understand, because people let it slide, because people feel really uncomfortable, because people close ranks around the perpetrators, very, very few people um, actually get the response that they need. And I would have hoped he could have said, I'm very sorry this has happened to one of my staff members on my watch. It's not okay. It's not acceptable in our workplace. And there'll be a thorough investigation and charges will be laid. Yeah. I mean, it is it is as simple as just acknowledging, I think, that something happened, that it was terrible, and that while the procedures are flawed and don't benefit the victim in this instance, yeah, just showing an element of understanding and that you're willing to try and, and at least do the right thing is so ah. much more important. I think this is where it's the leaders that need to bring about change, and yeah. they're not. It's the victims. You look at anything, racism, sexism, sexual assault, all these things that are happening, it's young folk and people who've suffered under an unfair system that are becoming activists and speaking out about it. Where are the people like our Prime Minister, who's a powerful man in his mid-50s? Look at Eddie Maguire in the AFL, a powerful man in his mid-50s. Look at the principals of high schools, and we'll get to this, who... <laughs> have power to change culture and do things it's all the middle-aged white guys who are benefiting from a really unfair patriarchal system absolutely and on that we'll be right back after this next song on let's talk about sex here on mornings on fbi radio it's by baby and called shadow don't go anywhere to give a quick shout out to Percy who's made a pretty good point that if you get a no when you've asked someone for consent or you have a discussion and you ask about something and they give you a no it's not a disappointment it's a choice to accept very well said Percy nice one and to the person who texted in about a gray area they've experienced we will come back to your question just after we roll through had a an, more. Yeah, a <laughs> lot more to digest on this topic. In particular, um, recently there was a survey put out by Chanel Contos who got over 200 responses from women who all had a story about being sexually assaulted in high school or shortly after by boys from neighbouring private schools and this led to a petition to have consent taught in school earlier. Tanya, of course, teaching consent in schools is so important and should it be taught in all schools? Well, it should be taught in all schools. Yeah. Um, but why do you think this is so prevalent amongst private schools, this idea of being 
quote unquote above the rules in that sense. Mm, it, it feels like this is a rich breeding ground for privilege and entitlement. And, you know, it's a bit unfair because I think you've got young men coming through this system and how structural oppression works is you breathe in all the stuff that's around you. So they're having behaviour normalised uh, that it's okay for boys to want sex and get sex. Not ask for it, not negotiate for it, but try and get it. It's something to be gotten from women and then the women become the subject of sex, not the object. Um, so, and, and a lot of folks who have white skin and are well off financially bring up their kids to believe that they can have anything they want if they try hard enough. And these messages are a little bit dangerous because that's not true in today's world. And it doesn't include modelling strong boundaries and the ability to say no and hear no, which is stuff that keeps all of us safe in this world. So it's really, really, you know, we see it all the time in movies. You know, there's girls saying, no, thank you to boys. And by the end of the movie, they've been worn down into going out with them or giving them a kiss or something. And I just look at that outrage going, what's wrong with listening to the first no that person said? Absolutely. And on that, let's dig into what consent is. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's try and unpack. Let's start. What is consent, Daniel? Ah, it's, that is a huge question. I'm going to try to um, put some boundaries around it. I think consent starts with the premise that every human being has autonomy over their own body. They control their body's appearance, what they put into it and onto it, and how their body is treated. And this includes receiving touch or sexual activity, as we're looking at today. Basically, consent is an agreement. What's going to happen, what might happen, what might not happen, and what's not going to happen. Right? These are the things that you can cover. And it's also really important to be asking yourself, who or what is this for? It's all part of the consent, and then we'll chat a little bit more on that later but you know people often talk you hear about con enthusiastic consent you know what is what is um what does it look like you know and enthusiastic consent is constant check-ins it's not the initial yes and off we go it's informed it's sober it's ongoing it's exuberant it's an ongoing yes to whatever's unfolding right it's also listening to subtle body processes and being aware of social context and expectations like where's the power balance if your boss is hitting on you and and you say yes to your boss but you are like oh my god what about my job what will people say that's not really a yes and if your boss is taking that as a yes they're very unaware of the power situation and what's going on there so i can tell you what isn't consent because that's also important to know Consent is not the absence of no, it's not maybe, it's not saying yes after being harassed or pressured, coerced. In fact, the one of the definitions of domestic violence is um, begging, whining and wheedling for sex, right? That is one of the tenets of domestic violence. It's not silence, it's definitely not crying, it's not asking is this okay as you do it, uh, it's not saying you liked it last time or assuming that you liked it last time because we change from minute to minute. And it's definitely not sexual arousal or orgasm because bodies can respond in funny ways when they're in situations that they're not happy about. And it's very important to remember who cannot give consent. Get a pen, write this down, <laughs> right? Children, animals, drunk or inebriated people, dead people or unconscious people 
Now, it seems that some people have some issues with some of these categories, but think about that. When people are underage, they do not have all their facilities for making decisions. When people are drunk or inebriated, they do not have all their brain in gear to make decisions. And when people are unconscious, they're not making decisions, right? Think about that. Absolutely. We are going to come back and unpack how to actually have the conversation about consent because as you said Tanya I think the most important thing to remember is people's minds change and not everything stays the same so it's always good to check in with someone as you're going through um, having a great time with them Mm. and this conversation how it goes from start middle to end um, is, is pretty important Um, knowing how to manoeuvre it. So we'll be right back on Let's Talk About Sex with how to have the conversation around consent. And in the meantime, Giega is around this track by Paris, Texas. It's called Heavy Metal. And there's a language warning. Paris, Texas with Heavy Metal out of Los Angeles. My name is Maya Billick. I'm joined by Tanya Coons. We're getting some busyness on the text line. We will get to all of your questions in a moment because I think some of them will be answered in this next portion of Let's Talk About Sex, which, Tanya, I want to ask you, how do you start to talk to people about consent? Mm, also a very big question and contextual. So are we about to get naked together? That's a that's one very big area. Is it just in general? Um, if it's on a personal level, I, gen- I tend to tell people, hey, I'm big on consent. So even if something feels really obvious, I'm always going to ask you, right? For example, when I first met Bridie, I think we I did it our second show ever here on Let's Talk About Sex on Consent. And I came into the studio and said, would you like a hug? And she was like, what do you mean? Of course I would. And I'm like, yeah, but I always ask. And it clicked her mind into thinking, hey, not everybody likes to get a hug. And I explained that to her that, you know, I've seen people actually back away from hugs. So just asking. And if they say no, you can say thank you. I'll just jiggle in front of you and be really excited to see you. (laughs) And she thought that was super cute. And we used to end our emails, would you like a hug, right? Nice. But actually it floated up the awareness that not everybody wants and does or acts the same way that we do. So consent's not just for partners, it's for everybody. It's for kids, you know. Do you want a kiss from Adi Dottie? Do you have to be forced to give her one? It's our body, it's our choice. Maybe you could bump elbows or fist bump Adi Dottie or just wave at her, right? There's ways to be polite and teach manners and politeness without crossing people's physical boundaries. Most importantly, we need to teach people the ability to say no and to have that no heard and respected. That's the most important thing that we can bring across. Absolutely. I think the best point you make there is that you have to respect people's boundaries as Mm -hmm. well. Um, No matter the relationship status between people um, and just asking the question. Yeah, that's it. And if you want to have a conversation with a partner, um, there are things that you can do. Like if you want to change things up, it's like, hey, uh, I'm just going to let you know if you want to change what we're doing, just check in with me because I find that really sexy. Or... Um, how about uh, if before we get naked we just check in I would like XYZ uh, and I don't want ABC 
or I'm not feeling very energetic today. Do you mind if we don't do blah, blah, blah? Or, you know, my favourite example is, I went to the hairdresser today, don't muck up my hair. (laughs) (laughs) Things change, and that's a really good example. Like, tomorrow you can pull my hair and mess it up, whatever, but not today. Our bodies will be like that too, and it's really, really important to understand, no matter how well you know someone, you don't know what's going on for their body, for their mind, how they are emotionally. So check in. It's really sexy to check in and to create safety. Yeah, I think um, to the person who texted in saying um, they were once interested in a girl and in hindsight um, this person wanted them to chase her um, and be forceful and and persistent but found it extremely confusing trying to navigate consent as a polite person Mm. and they were interested to hear your opinion. I think that's the answer, right? Let's talk about it first. So this sounds, it's almost a bit like negotiating consensual non-consent, right? So it's like, you know what? This would really turn me on if you were to chase me around the room, pin me against the wall, rip my clothes off and call me a filthy whore. And if that's not what you like to do, if it doesn't feel right for you, you can say, I really appreciate that you shared that with me. It's a bit out of my comfort zone. I might be prepared to try that or no, that's a hard no for me. But if they've hinted at it and then you think you have to go and do that without clearing it, that's where we get into all sorts of problems. And, you know, it sounds like your motivation might be really good. I want to give her what she wants. But if it's not your thing, it's so easy to mess that up. And if she hasn't been very clear or they haven't been very clear on what they want, um, the chances of getting it incorrect are huge so clarifying so let me understand this is what you would like from me and let's do this but let's let's say we're only going to do this on a Thursday afternoon between three and four so that the rest of the time I can continue being the nice polite human that I am and I'm going to feel a lot more comfortable about that um always excellent advice Tanya 10 out of 10 (laughs) um we got another text in from a person in Canberra who wants to know and I think this is going to answer or get into our next question about how to have constructive conversations around consent with other people. Um, This person texted in wondering how to talk to friends and acquaintances who we know or suspect have done something non-consensual without making them feel like there was a piece of finality to it or feeling quote-unquote cancelled. Um, They Mm. said they believe in a culture of acknowledgement and rehabilitation, but it's hard to establish this in conversations with people. And I feel like you can go too soft or too hard. What do you think? That is the most wonderful question. I really love it. And it's extremely difficult to answer. So thank you for throwing us a curly one. I agree. There are going to be times where people do things that we're like, whoa, that just that that doesn't that's not going to pass the sunlight test for me I wake up tomorrow and go I wish I'd said something or done something we have to remember that when we're approaching other human beings and saying I think that thing you did wasn't cool people are initially very defensive so it can be like I'm coming from a place of love you know my motto always is disrupt with love like so cancelling people is not disrupting with love speaking behind their backs and creating rumors is not helpful it's not disrupting with love and it's certainly not going to help the person who may have transgressed or done something outside of consent it's going to make them feel shut down accused final right so what we can do is bring up the importance of each of us having control over our own bodies maybe an imbalance of power or privilege it depends what you're noticing it can be like hey you know I saw you cozying up to your secretary over there you know do you sort of realize that maybe she's she's not really capable of saying no in that situation 
and sort of pointing it out because some folks really do not understand the privilege they have and they don't understand the concept of safety and safety being sexy. So we also need to think about harmless fun where people are making jokes. Um, Harmless fun is not harmless for many people. It shames bodies. It encroaches boundaries. It causes hurt or embarrassment. It often involves unwanted touch. Pinging a bra strap is not harmless fun right no it involves often sexual advances or content or suggestion so if you're seeing things like that you can step up and say hey you know that's that's actually not cool and I wonder how this person's feeling right now you can check in with the person if you're witnessing it happening in flow if you've heard about it you can ask that person that you're talking to say hmm I wonder how that other person might have been receiving what you were giving out there have you thought that it might be uncomfortable for them right because they're Mm. not you Um, and just to gently sort of bring curiosity to my way always of sort of not, I don't even like the word calling out. It's just like, let's have a look at this from several angles. You know, let's bring your curiosity to what the other person might have been feeling or experiencing or how that might be perceived by the, the audience at large because sometimes that's a way to get folk to change their behaviour because they don't want to be called a rapist or yes. a terrible person. But it means change like this means that we're all going to feel uncomfortable. So even the nice, polite folks will feel uncomfortable when they're having conversations about consent or having to listen to things from their friends because they're learning as they go. And how they respond to this conversation should be a a marker for you, I guess, in whether you want to continue that relationship with that person as an acquaintance or a friend. I mean, like, I don't know about you personally who texted in, but I know if I spoke to someone and they responded completely aghast or shocked and just didn't want to hear anything about it, wouldn't really want to be friends with them anymore. Yeah, well, see, for me, that's a challenge. I'm like, all right, I think that I'm going to need to double back in a couple of weeks and check in with them. Because at the time, we get a knee jerk, like, oh, you're telling me I'm a bad person. I'm not bad. So they're not listening. Defensive means not listening, not listening, not listening. So coming back a week later saying, hey, you know that chat we had? How are you feeling about that? Are you okay? Checking in. So you're being kind and you're being generous, um, even though they might have done something that you like, dude, that was just so not okay. Mm. Um, so doubling back and just checking in. Have you had some time to think about that? What do you reckon? It, would you like to ask me any questions about why I was concerned? Mm. Just gentle, really gentle. It's not I'm going to tell I'm going to tell on you and tell everyone you're bad and you know not not. That's not really great. So I think there's there's that part of that question and uh, yeah. I mean, if there's anything we want you to take away from today, it's just talk to the person you're about to engage in a little fun activity with and keep that conversation going. Yeah, and you know what? Sometimes people, when they go into terror or trauma, can't talk. So have a look for some signs that you might be out of consent. And that means when the other person goes quiet or stops talking, be curious. If they're flinching at your touch, it's not okay. If they're backing away from your touch, it's not okay. If you're getting a hmm or a maybe from them, take it as a no. If you're getting rapid, shallow breathing, we've got people going into panic or alarm or anxiety. If they're not making eye contact with you, we're not cool. If they've got dilated pupils, and this is tricky because if there's been some substances involved, people's pupils may dilate, but actually even more important to remember that folks under the influence of drugs or alcohol are not able to give you authentic and enthusiastic consent. Remember that. They may look like they're having the time of their lives, but may wake up and go, holy heck, what just happened? 
Absolutely. And this whole discussion has really reminded me of, I think, years ago now, there was this uh, American college student Mm. who, in response to their own sexual assault on campus, led this protest where they carried their mattress with them for something over a hundred days. It was like a two, three kilo, like giant single bed mattress everywhere they went on campus as a form of protest. And later when I watched an interview with them about the whole ordeal, what they'd learn afterwards and looking beyond the actual element of whether they were taken seriously and how the, uh, I guess, college trial process went with their accuser, the best thing that they said, I think that really resonated with me was when they said, they have the biggest problem with the word rapist because it mm. suggests this finality that they once someone that that's I think where the biggest piece of knee jerk reaction yes comes from because it sounds final it feels final it doesn't suggest that anyone can come back from a situation or learn from their mistakes and really understand what went wrong and do better and be rehabilitated in that sense. Yeah. Um, So we have to watch our language. We really do because that is a very accusative, accusatory loaded word and it is applicable as well. So it's sort of like, oh, we don't want to let people off but we don't want to tarnish folks because I think nearly every person on the planet has been outside of consent at some point in their life. And I think we really need to stop being holier than thou and we need to think about it. We're we're trying to change things up here. So it means uncomfortable. It means not knowing the lines sometimes. It means that we'd be like, shit, that was okay, but now maybe it's not. And we're learning. Mm. And most people don't like talking about this stuff. But, you know, the best thing I can say is the better you get at talking about it, the better sex you're going to have and the safer it's going to be. And on that, that's all we've got time for on Let's Talk <laughs> About Sex. Thank you so much, Tanya, for popping by. Thank you. Spouting the wisdom, me. as always. I will be back in a fortnight with more Let's Talk About Sex. 